Hey, this is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to Dice Over Everything. So last week or so we had a long conversation about GW, mostly about 40k. Yep, and uh, basically how we got into the hobby and everything. So it was kind of really, really long, like too long, so we've decided to uh, split it up. So uh, this first... uh, This first part of the conversation is mostly about sort of how we got into it, our thoughts on how GW was super rad back in the day. I think that's the word we used back in the day, the daisies, right? Yeah, yeah, cowabunga, dude. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so I, guess I guess we also went on about what direction GW took and how it might not have been a good direction, and then how, and then beyond how, that, the part way past that, we talked about where we went, but that's that's for a future podcast. Yep. All right. So, without further ado, here it goes. We actually talked a lot about this previously, and of course, the reason why is because when we got into the, this miniature gaming hobby, GW was our gateway drug. It was the gateway drug for, I think, almost everybody we meet at gaming stores and in miniature miniature games in general. Almost everyone, although a lot of young people these days didn't start with uh, Games Workshop, but no. everyone our age definitely started. No, because they've inherited what we created, or maybe <laughs> maybe what you would want to say GW created. For uh, us. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think uh, when they grew up, they will have, if they were raised during the fall, which we'll get to, uh, what they went through is entirely different. But before we get there, let's let's go go back, like way back. We are not back, back young the, people, so back to the nineties, as <laughs> yes. in as in the time before the internet. Exactly, uh, and during that time. Uh, Games Workshop was dominant, so we're not even going back to the, like the the germination of GW, but this is when Games Workshop was the only game in town. And how did we get? How did people get introduced to miniature gaming? I guess from people we've talked to, either you had friends that played it, or you went downtown, you saw the store because we live in Toronto, yeah, and they had store. They had a store in a really prominent area downtown. Down Street. It was. I remember when I was young. Uh, my parents would bring me downtown and I'd go see my grandma and uh, dim sum was fun it was really good but the the second like everything besides that was boring except for when we would pass by like they would go shop for groceries and then they would drop sometimes drop me off on Queen Street and I would just stare at all of the models in the games workshop store and they had this beautiful glass cabinet filled with amazingly painted models and, and I would just stare at them for super long yeah I'm just didn't they drop me off maybe I was a bit older when they would drop me off I think I was just It'd trying be to stay irresponsible to drop me off when I was like five or six but maybe when I was seven or, or nine they would just let me stare there and, I... they, and they would go see whatever they saw as grown ups <laughs> who even knows what that is yeah I assume it was grocery shopping but yeah so that's how I started off and that was when I was really young back when, back when you could barely see over the top of the table I was not yet in double digits in life Mm-hmm. Expect life age, <laughs> life expectancy, as well. I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that's how we got. At least I started looking at miniatures and thinking how cool it was. But even before then, um, the the essence of miniature games. I think what I don't know if if it's just permeating through culture. But we got into that in some ways. I remember when we were really young, when we were on the school bus, because we've known each other forever, right? Um, I remember uh, we used to just hang out and we did we just talked about 
I don't know, role playing and stuff like that. And we you were, had a giant Lego collection. Yeah, I recall there was D and D was out there, but we weren't necessarily D and D players. But you could RP without all those materials if you want to make an RP. You yeah, we just... would sit on the bus and mm-hmm. just just make up stories. I don't know. I mean, we must have followed RP because we had one guy who was like the person that would be the lead storyteller, and he said, "Oh, you, you're this character, you're this character," and then we would RP there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think GW like offered the way to actually create your characters in real life almost you could have a visual representation of it is that how that's not how we started though no I wouldn't say so I guess that's how GW apparently started because they were a company that was associated with D&D right so they way back in the day before before even we were alive or (laughs) or at least we were very very young um they were they got a, like an exclusive license to D and D in uh, the UK, um, so that's how they started, right? But even after that, I guess it's a natural progression from D and D to you know you want to you play your characters as an individual guys and then you move on and you say oh you know what would be you really keep, cool you keep getting more you keep getting more and at some point you think you just can have a whole army of these exactly. guys it's almost like if you think about Lord of the Rings you start off with the Fellowship of the Ring where you're like oh I'm fair I'm, I'm Aragorn right and then you gather forces you gather forces then and you have the battle of the five armies at some point oh that's the Hobbit but yes <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember the names of the other. Uh, giant I know epic one battles. because I just bought a whole bunch of Lord of the Rings because of the reboot. Uh, the Battle of Pelennor Fields, where yes. the uh, Ro- Rohan riders of Rohan fight the giant elephants. Okay, that that was an epic battle that we. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, I want to do that now, but now you've got to do it at army level. Mm-hmm. Rather than just with Orlando Bloom riding on elephants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and and even when we were young, we did it with. Uh, Lego, Lego before Lego, then? yeah. So we, so we apparently, I don't know. You were saying that we we started with individual characters and we used Lego to make up our knights and whatever uh, of our home brewed role playing game. Yeah, because I guess like every kid who's into like geeky stuff has Lego. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you try and you sometimes branch off into other things that are similar to it, or you mm-hmm. just think think similar things are cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where Lego you're you're assembling things out of your imagination and building them together, building them up, and 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 kind of putting uh, your imagination into a physical the physical space using Lego, right? Yeah, like you get to choose the color of pants they have, you get to choose the helmet they have on. Exactly. Well, then... not everyone could choose the colors because no one had giant bins of Lego of like like. Need, every single color. Or you need a Rubbermaid tub for every color? What's, yes. That seems normal. That's just normal. <laughs> well, when you have uh, four brothers and they all get Lego and then you steal all their Lego, I guess that can happen. There's a lot of birthdays with four <laughs> brothers. Yeah. And there's a lot of stealing of their Lego. And like, you don't need that. I'm the oldest. Here, let me let me uh, group them for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess at that point, GW, if you're buying boxes of GW mm-hmm. as kids, you could sort of have, they came with two sides of the faction and be like oh mm-hmm. I have this side and then it automatically creates another side for somebody else to play with you yeah so it was really good in that way for kids to get into the game at that point um, yeah it, it, it was and I remember um, how we got in we were like really young and 
uh, you and one of our other friends, uh, Kevin, got for my birthday, like, the box set. Of the orcs and space marines? And yeah, the Quintus. orcs and the space marines, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. And I guess, I assume, I don't remember talking about it before, but we must have. Or maybe you guys just really like Games Workshop, and you're like, hey, maybe we can get it for him, and then we can all get in. Well, we probably invited you over to, to play it or something. No, or see I was nope. the first one to get Games Workshop stuff. Yeah. I remember that. Okay. Because... We must have just talked about it because we must. We were playing Lego and we were getting a bit older, and and, and I don't know. I'd always done uh, model kits, right? So I did a lot of Gundam models, mm-hmm. which I guess is another way that you can get into the hobby, right? Is going um, to classical hobby stores and then yeah, getting classic cuts. hobby stuff, like yeah, exactly. getting model cars, getting all that giant robots. Because those were in more like standard game stores back then. If you they want game to, stores, they're hobby stores. Yes, if you went to the mall, there's yeah. kind of hobby stores. Yeah, so, especially in in Chinatown, they had a lot of the. Uh, Gundam robots and stuff like that, uh, which is uh, a side. Well, another another group of of hobbyists that are tangentially related to our miniature gaming, but they don't do the miniature gaming part. Yep, kind of like how there's the military model people who exactly would sometimes amass entire models of like figures. Yeah, and they're sort of modern warfare style guys. Yeah, but this is I guess we're talking about just in general. the hobby for when we were we were young, but specifically for GW, we got in when uh, you got the two player starter set for me, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, uh, and we got I got it just draws you in because it has as a child you get that painting artistic side on top right, and then the assembling it feels like you said like the Lego kind of. Uh, Lego being able to sort of create the create the whole world like you can create yeah. terrain for them you can create whatever you really want yeah and we kind of just this. poured a lot of time besides video games which is definitely our number one pastime uh, oh and eating chips at your place and stealing all the chips from all your brothers um, yeah there's a good reason that like, a beer <laughs> machine is a beer and pretzels game or beer and chips game yes. now yeah, for I guess... older players it's a chips or a Chip. It's a chips and pop game for children. Then you yes. get older and it becomes beer and, and whatever else. Or, mm-hmm. or, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so yeah, we just got into it. Yeah, well, everybody like when you talk to like people our age, basically uh-huh. everybody got into that because there wasn't much else around at that point. That's true. There was no and, internet, and what they were offering was so much better than like you had a model car you could build. Yeah. Oh, I could build a model car, or I could be a, build a space marine and some tanks with las cannons. I, and I think I know which one I'm going to do. And there's a game to play around it too. So, so not there's... only do you go in, like like we talked about before. Well, I guess we haven't necessarily talked about it, but we always talk about it, about how the hobby is so, um, it 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 uh, gives you so much in so many different ways, right? It's not just the the miniatures, and it's not just the game playing and competition it's all of those things put together yeah because GW was creating a story behind yeah. it and a story mm-hmm. and fluff and all these kind of RPG elements and back then the only ones that were doing it to our knowledge mm-hmm. right was Games Workshop yeah. and their games and they were obviously doing it in the biggest way too yeah then. exactly they had their own stores doing it right so that I remember we would get the uh, not just would I stare at all of their, their their cabinets but they would have little pamphlets right and we would just stare at it right and we're like oh my god these things are so cool and they had painted models and it was heavy metal painting schemes and it was so cool and there was award winners from painters and everything exactly, else exactly and, mm-hmm. and, and so it got you super excited 
Yeah, and then, so, for a long time, this was the thing that we would do, right? We would have giant, well, well, we were not, we were children, so we didn't have much money. But we would, every single time we would want something, and uh, we would buy a, a Games Workshop thing for our army, right? Add one thing more. So, for me, I played Eldar, I would like, oh, can I get a falcon i would ask my parents oh for my birthday could i have a falcon or a viper or a squad of whatever and then since we were playing together whenever we would have birthday parties we would be like oh maybe i should get them something from the army they liked because uh, you knew what they had like yeah exactly it wasn't like being grown-ups where you just go buy an entire army all in one fell swoop it's for kids yes exactly it's, it's bits of reward here and there and you finish painting something and you yeah. get then you get something else yeah and if you got it for your friend uh, you would also be encouraging them to play more games, which you, you know, which you, like, you wanted to do. Yeah, so. you're basically pushing pushing the drug that you're hooked on to all mm-hmm. of your friends. I remember that's how we got uh, Steven uh, into the game. You remember yeah, that? You, you get you get them a couple of things for their, yeah. your birthday because you you're and like, your few friends hey, have things. Yeah, and you're like, oh, do you want to get in this game? Here's a cool model set. Oh, and by the way. We also play this game, so if you finish this model set and you, you buy like a hundred dollars more stuff, then yeah, exactly, you can come and play with us. Mm-hmm. It worked. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it still works for children. Yes. It must still work. Yeah. Yeah. So GW basically like had the lockdown on the on the miniatures gaming yeah. market at that and point, and they were the only ones that had this kind of thing, and they continued on strong. And 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 I know we went when we went off to university, we kind of put a pause on it. But when we came back and we, we started having jobs and we had a bit more money. We got back into it a yeah. bit, but it was I suppose but even it was at that point. Yeah. I suppose at that point it was still like the preeminent game. It was. It was definitely this was during what, third edition and and the beginning of fourth. So that'd be back around two thousand seven ish. Yeah, when did we graduate? Yeah, around mm-hmm. two thousand seven ish. Uh, yeah, so it was it was still fun. It, and and again, to us, to our knowledge, it was still the only thing on the market. But, but, I guess it was still seen as rather expensive because even mm-hmm. after you just get out of school, these things seem expensive. So you're sort of mm-hmm. annoyed that they yeah. price things so highly. And I guess yeah. they would switch up their paint lines as well around that era, yeah. where you would have gotten used to the certain paints, and then they decided to give them more esoteric names. And, <laughs> For no reason. Also, there was giant. I think there was giant spacing between certain codexes. So your friend would get a new codex, and their Uh army would be super OP. Yeah. But you were young, so you couldn't just go buy the other OP flavor of the month or flavor of the year. We started getting jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So we started being like, "Oh, should I just blow all of my booze money on a new army to compete, Mm -hmm. or should we just go out and drink?" Yep. (laughs) When you're young, that's a very real choice. Yeah, and so. Um, I think even at that point things started to rot there was something that we felt you felt like the additions they were coming out with sort of lost some of the luster of the other additions yeah and there was maybe it was I don't know if we were just older but we maybe we just or if it actually got worse but it just felt less Balanced, and there was more ridiculous things, like you said, with the codexes, mm-hmm. and then um, a lot of those things that you felt were super exciting before kind of started falling by the wayside. For example, when when third edition hit, there were like these giant, super good deals. Like I remember when we started when we were really young, uh, 
you got me the box of uh, Space Marines and Orcs. Uh, I didn't want to play either of those. I wanted to play Eldar. So yeah. so when I started in, it was like, uh, I don't know, everything was super expensive because it didn't come with a giant box. And then 3rd edition hit. And, and they suddenly, started releasing box sets for almost everything. Yeah, and, and there were super good deals with a little bit of terrain and a lot of models. And you got like the, my favorite... Uh, model in the game. The Vipers or the... No, it was no? the Falcon. The Falcon, there we go. The Falcon, yeah. So it was the big tank, right? The grab tank. And I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came in, in their box, right? And so that was such a good deal. But as time went on, we went back. Suddenly the boxes, they still had them, but they started They weren't being as good of less... a deal. Exactly. And they didn't come with the models you really wanted. And... Yeah, and then... And, yeah, it was just more expensive. Mm-hmm. And then... They started releasing, you know, when we started, it was second edition, so it was uh, Heroes, right? It was a lot less guys, and we it, that was great because we were children, so we needed a lot less guys. But as time went on, the army started getting bigger and bigger, and you started needing, you started more, needing more, more individual, like, specialist pieces. You needed more mm-hmm. tanks. Yeah. You needed more just dreadnoughts. You needed, like... Yeah, exactly. Your- and then they started introducing, like, flying vehicles... At some point, and and when you're trying to play a strategy game, why are there planes flying on your battlefield? Like mm-hmm. it's almost ridiculous enough that tanks are shooting each other from uh, like 500 meters away from each other, but now planes are flying two stories above everyone, b- dropping bombs on people. It made no sense. No, uh, it got it got weird. They they started making that was the era when they started making big things. Yeah, they were much too expensive for kids to touch the hobby that point yeah and so this this is what i would i would precipitate as um the, the beginnings of uh the, the dar- fall the or, dark times yeah the dark times exactly mm-hmm. and in some ways it was during it was it, it happened during some of the heyday of of when we played a lot it was just small things at first right so the boxes there were less great deals and then suddenly there were, there we, were we, we started we started buying things from web stores because you know you were looking for good deals yeah. but then the GW went and told them all to take a hike yeah and then so, it killed our like, closest store yep. it was right and so it had all of these kind of things they're trying to pressure people out of the market so that they could take on all of the money from the online presence right mm-hmm. and that was just so they lost the advertising from like web stores trying to get mm-hmm. you to buy stuff. They lost the support from the stores trying to get yeah. They started into there clamping down on the actual game stores that we would go to even to play, mm-hmm. which we never really did. But other people complained about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and this was during the rise of the internet. So even though we weren't necessarily experiencing it directly, we would go on the internet, and other people would complain about it, and it would rub off on us. It would. Yeah. And then so and it, and you could see it right because you can see all these cracks starting to happen right mm-hmm. it's almost they became too too arrogant in their dominance because they had during uh, the heyday they were the people that that had a lockdown on this hobby space that uh, they largely created at least they they put it into its own niche market they built it mm-hmm. and then because they had built it and all these people had come like us they felt like they were in charge and they could do whatever they want and um that's just not true right no because the game stores still needed to make a living too the mm-hmm. people who sold stuff on the web still wanted to make a living so 
I think even from their end, like the stores had to go push new products at some point. Yeah, yeah, and and those homie stores didn't just have at, at that time. It was like they had Magic the Gathering, Magic going the on. Gathering, which was getting huge. They had uh, started getting board games, right? Uh, they often had more comic stores, so they had comics, although comics died, which is maybe... The internet killed those. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, but they had all these other markets that slowly but surely were creeping in. Um, and so, to me, it was just all of these small deci- decisions, right, that were piling up. Like, yeah, they didn't, you can't say they did one thing wrong, which was the beginning mm-hmm. of the end. They just sort of died the yes. death by a thousand and cuts that many things yeah. can tend to do. Yeah, and I think it is precipitated on pride. So they basically were like Satan. Mm-hmm. Lucifer, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he still has his role. No one's, uh, yeah, no one's usurped yeah. him at this point. So Yes, well, uh, yeah, and you could kind of see it. Uh, and I feel like looking back at history, so we started working and we started – and at least for me, I started looking at the other things, being interesting at interested at the general day to day, like what's up with Games Workshop, what's happening, right? And apparently, they started getting, they went public at some point during this time, uh, and they uh, got different CEOs. So then they started cutting back on, I guess, their other specialty games, which were sort of yeah, and they, yeah, they had the CEOs. Uh, I think one, I think the the issue is they had one CEO who overly expanded. And so uh, they went everywhere. So then you started seeing Games Workshop everywhere, and it looked amazing, except they had taken on so much debt that the, they had overly expanded. In our area, there was like five stores or something yeah, at one point, and, and like every major mall had one. It was, yeah, and it was, we were obsessed with it for a while. Well, we didn't. Maybe we're more obsessed with it now. But uh, we were really into it. But even then, uh, we were sensible enough to know that most people are not, and you can't have five stores five stores selling this one game in a small right? in right? one drivable area yeah especially since they were getting rid of all these extra games that they were creating right mm-hmm. trying to focus on their primary their their primary thing and so uh, after that apparently they hired this guy what was it Tim Tim Kirby sure Tom Kirby Tom Kirby Tom Kirby yeah and he was like a uh what do you call it? A uh, an accountant, accountant mm-hmm. an accountant in there, and he was basically supposed to be the hatchet man, right? So he went and, to be fair, Games Workshop needed at the time. They were bleeding money. They had overly expanded, and his job was to cut. And he was an accountant, and he did a good job. And so everyone was like, "Wow, you really cut down, and you kind of trimmed down uh, Games Workshop into something that could make a lot of money." And then he started licensing. I think a lot of. A lot, a lot of uh, the properties, right? Because the IP was very strong. They had all these different creators, right? And so he licensed them, and, and that was... Uh, I don't know if you've played the video game. The Was that Dawn of War? Dawn of War. You're talking Dawn about that era? Okay. Yeah, Dawn of War, right? And that made a lot of money, right? And so... And it showed the game to a lot of other people who weren't exactly. in the hobby space. We were we were hoping we'd catch, get other people into it who didn't, <laughs> like, who were video gamers, uh-huh. but I don't think that ever really came to fruition. I, I think it did a little bit. It probably but... spread the knowledge of, like, what the hobby is, mm-hmm. but it didn't grasp that many people's attention. Yeah, say. and on the other end, what he was doing was, because he concentrated on the numbers, he, he was like, okay, so uh, he didn't look at the actual gameplay, I think. And he concentrated on how do you fix a, a, a 
company and how do you make more money based on the numbers well you you tweak the numbers so you're like oh this is the group that makes a lot of money let's make more let's of just those. do more of this mm-hmm. and you could see it like slowly uh the uh bigger kits started creeping in bigger and bigger kids because you're selling again this is the existing niche player hobby. base exactly. would buy the next newest thing that came up for their army so it was exactly. a guaranteed sell and they had all of the smaller stuff so they needed new things mm-hmm. so they were like okay so now we have this new thing for your army it's bigger and bigger and bigger and he's and he didn't think about or maybe no one at, at the place thought about what is this doing to the game well if it makes it more fun or if it makes exactly. players really want to get more players into the game exactly and how <laughs> now tough is it for a new player to get into the game <clears throat> Right? And, and then he looked at all these like specialist games and he's like, oh, these things don't make that much money. Get rid of all of them and concentrate on your new things. Right, Put all the resources in. And what, you, what have you just done? You've cut off all of the new uh, player avenues, the way to get new young blood into the game. Yeah, and you've made your existing player base sort of start getting bored of the same old, same old happening every yes, time. Yes, exactly. And then, uh, so I think this went on for a little while and and and... and it became an internet meme. Like everyone's like, "Oh, Games Workshop is gonna die," because a lot of these people were hooked on this miniature gaming hobby. But they felt was... like they've been abused year exactly. after year. You get your new codex, but sort of things don't quite work. Or, or you don't clear... get your new codex because you're playing orcs or sisters of battle. Yep. Or Dark Eldar, right? And then you you then you just feel abused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, when the next codex comes out and it's yeah. way better than yours. Yeah, and, and, you and your suck. codex is, is five years old now, mm-hmm. right? And they've gone through a new edition and you still don't have a new edition codex. Yeah. And so and and I feel like their response would be, well, you should just buy Space Marines then or buy the new new army that came out. And I feel like there was some of that. And so all these people started building this this uh, disgust and resentment. Built. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was, again, part of the fall. And through their hubris, I don't think they saw it, especially because they started branching out and they started selling the IP, which, started, which was doing well. Uh, and uh, Tom Kirby was pretty good with the accounting numbers, right? So he was able to shuffle uh, the numbers around and reallocate resources in a way to... Uh, to make the company stable, Yeah, the company stable, get the cash flow working. But... The problem was he was not looking at the core and the core gameplay experience, and it was rotting. All right, one last thing. Yeah, if you like this podcast and want to hear more, just like us wherever you're listening. Yeah, and if you want to keep track of our uh, work on Starpiercer, go to starpiercer.com, or if you're on Facebook, go to our Starpiercer community. So that's basically it. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.